everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. Today, once again, we have Dr. Stephanie Senefon. I'm so thrilled to have her on. She, well, I'll give you the background. My dearest friend in in uh, Traverse City, Michigan, sent me a link to this article on a peer-reviewed study that Dr. Seneff and uh, let's see who is it, specialist Dr. Greg Nye, he's a naturopathic oncology specialist. Uh, It's a peer-reviewed study. She sent me a link to this and right away I contacted Stephanie and asked her if she'd like to come on and talk about it. So she's here with us today. So I'll just read a little bit about what the top of this article says. Bombshell study, mRNA vaccine may cause tragic and even catastrophic side effects. Now many of us already know this, but a lot of people don't. A peer-reviewed U.S. study found that the experimental COVID vaccine being rolled out across the world poses multiple serious adverse side effect risks. The May 2021 study called Worse Than the Disease, reviewing some possible unintended consequences of the mRNA vaccines against COVID-19. Published in the International Journal of Vaccine Theory, Practice, and Research, was conducted by senior scientist Dr. Stephanie Seneff at the MIT Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Laboratory and naturopathic oncology specialist Dr. Greg Nye. The study thoroughly analyzes the possible pathways in which the experimental mRNA vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna could be causing serious adverse effects in vaccinated individuals. Okay, Stephanie. Hi. Hi. So great to be back. <laughs> yes, I'm really, I'm really thrilled to have you on. You know, take it away. Yeah, it's really hard to know where to begin and where to end. It's just such a mess. The more I look at these vaccines, the more worried I get. And I just am still in a state of shock that the government has made this incredible uh, overreaching decision to just force, really force many people to get vaccinated or lose their jobs. It's just unbelievable what's happening right now with this untested, you know, radical new technology with so many unknowns, because we haven't had time to study the long-term effects at all. I know. And we know certain things from uh, previous experiments can predict that we're going to have some very, very serious consequences that could take quite a long time to show up. And that's, you know, one of the things that worries me is that many of them uh, you won't know until many years later, because I think there's it really gets you going on pathways towards autoimmune disease and neurodegenerative disease, and probably also cancer, I feel. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. all of those become higher risk as a consequence of your body's ex, you know, exposure to this incredible toxic experience that causes the immune system to, to go on fire. I mean, the immune system just does not know how to handle something like this. It's never seen it before. And the immune cells are totally overwhelmed with this, their own production of this spike protein that they can't stop doing because the messenger RNA has been so carefully designed to survive, you know, with the mm-hmm. manipulation of the of the very, very unnatural form of messenger RNA packaged up with these polyethylene glycol and, and with these cationic artificial, you know, not natural cationic lipids, all these things in there that are really um, a, a shock to the immune system. The immune cells just, they way, way overreact. And, and the vaccine is fantastically successful at what they want to do. It produces mm-hmm. one one study I saw on the web said it ten times as many antibodies to the spike protein in response to the vaccines compared to what you get if you catch the disease. Ten times. I mean that is so mm-hmm. not normal. And you know that antibodies can always have the potential to cause autoimmune disease through molecular mimicry. And the spike protein has many segments that are similar to segments in all kinds of proteins that are linked with you know serious autoimmune diseases like lupus and multiple sclerosis and um, rheumatoid arthritis and celiac disease and high, uh, thyroiditis, high Hashimoto's thyroiditis, mm-hmm. all these autoimmune diseases. The vaccine actually forces the immune system to adopt its policy towards um, favoring autoimmune disease over caution because it's so panicked to make these uh, antibodies to get rid of the spike protein that it keeps on making without being able to stop, you know. It needs to clear them, so it has to make these really high levels of antibodies to clear those spike proteins. So I have to ask, why are they pushing this? 
<laughs> I mean, it's obviously <laughs> it's obviously so dangerous. Although, you know, there are some people who will say they haven't had much of a reaction. But I've been reading that, you know, they are using placebo, they are using saline, and mm. they are experimenting with the dosages. And to me, that would also explain why some people aren't reacting, some people are having you know, a, maybe a mild reaction, and some people are having these big blowout reactions. Yeah, and of course, it does depend on the individual, and, and especially mm -hmm. to me, the individual's state of health and the, the, the degree to which the immune system is strong to begin with. And I think people who would be resistant to the disease would also be resistant to the effects of the vaccine. I believe mm -hmm. they'd be safer right. in, in response to both. You know, when you have these immune, I mean, what they're doing with the immune compromised people is really terrifying, in my opinion, right now. I don't, don't know if you've heard, but, you know, immune compromised people, people who are taking, who have cancer, taking uh, cancer drugs that are immune suppressing, uh, they have a very weak innate immunity. Mm -hmm. They, It's very dangerous, in my opinion, to vaccinate them at all, because it, the vaccine is forcing their body to make antibodies that it can't use because the immune system is so weak. Uh, this is something we wrote about in our paper, and I think it's a serious problem, and I think it's the reason why we're seeing all these variants popping up all over the world. Mm -hmm. Well, you know? I don't understand why. I mean, they're pushing you know, those who are, what do they say, at risk. They're the ones yeah. who shouldn't be taking it. Right, and they're now doing a campaign to give them a third dose, which oh, is God. so insane, because they are the ones in my opinion, from the science, they are the ones that are driving the mutants to appear. And the interesting thing is that the vaccine is so specific. You know, the vaccine right. induces the an antibodies that are so specific to that particular version of the spike protein that's in all the vaccines. So your body has become, your, your immune system has become laser specific towards that one spike protein. And now, meanwhile, the virus is happily changing its spike protein. And not only to prevent the um, antibodies from binding to the spike spike protein is mutating in these in these immune compromised people because the the virus when they get infected their antibodies are not able to clear the the virus because the immune system is so weak the antibodies are there but it's not enough to clear mm -hmm. the virus so the virus gets to keep on going and it furthermore there's a natural selection process right there where virus these rna viruses can mutate like crazy so it's busy mutating its spike protein trying to get a good you know choice that's going to resist binding to those uh, to those antibodies that are going to be effective at neutralizing the virus. So it, it weakens the binding to the neutralizing antibodies, but it also, and there's a paper that shows this that I just read recently, these mutants like the Delta variant, they also mutate so as to strengthen the binding to antibodies that are not neutralizing. Those antibodies are really dangerous because that can give you antibody-dependent enhancement. That's a well-known phenomenon that has shown up in previous experiments with coronaviruses. They've had failures. Right. Would you explain to people what antibody-dependent enhancement is, please? Yeah, yes, it's a tricky thing. And it took me a while to understand it. The science is not easy, I have to say. I've mm -hmm, become such an expert on vaccines in a short while because I'll tell you a year ago, I knew very little about all of this. And of course, these messenger RNA vaccines are brand new. So practically nobody knew anything about them before they were rolled out. It takes uh, some serious scholarly pursuits to try to figure them out because mm -hmm. they're quite wild. Uh, but the antibody-dependent enhancement is a tricky thing. And it actually is so interesting because it turns out there's antibodies that bind and prevent the virus from getting in through the ACE2 receptor. That's the normal way that it gets in. Okay. But there's another receptor called the FC receptor. And that's present in a lot of uh, blood cells. It's in some immune cells and in, especially in the platelets. The platelets have these FC receptors. But there's also mm -hmm. immune cells that have the FC receptor. And so the FC receptor binds to antibodies that are a different set of antibodies from the ones that, that allow you to clear the virus. And those antibodies actually facilitate entry of the virus. So the virus actually infects immune cells and proliferates inside the immune cells. But it can also cause you know, thrombocytopenia because the antibodies bind to the platelets and that causes the body to clear the platelets. Platelets become activated. You get these, all these blood clots in the capillaries and that can cause no-flow situations and multiple organ failure. Disaster you know, can come right. from... Um, massive blood clots. And that's something that's been seen. I, I, you know, it's really interesting. I don't know if you heard about this doctor in Hoffa or something, I've forgotten his name, who uh, found his patients, he noticed his patients were having trouble with small blood clots throughout the capillaries. Right. Then he discovered, he could measure D-dimer to, to find that. D-dimer mm -hmm. is an indicator of those blood clots. And he found, and so he started routinely measuring D-dimer 
after the patients got vaccinated, and he was finding it in 62% of his patients, which is really shocking. Even several, I think, weeks or months after the vaccine, they still had the high levels of D-dimer, right. which is an indicator of massive blood, blood clots, platelet activation and massive blood clots. That's really disturbing. That's, you know, one of the many disturbing things about these uh, vaccines. I know. Well, I'm uh, I'm on Telegram, and that's where I do most of my posting. And um, uh, there are some different threads, vaccine injury reports and stuff like that. And it's just every day, it just goes on and on and on and on with pictures and videos of people, you know, not only I mean, the deaths are outrageous, but even more than death, it's the the long lasting disability. It's just, yeah. uh, it, it's just heartbreaking. It really and is. often it's neurological, right? The people yes. are getting paralyzed. People are having brain fog. I mean, there's some very clear uh, evidence of, of a brain disturbance in the brain. And that's also something we talked about. Really, really fascinating science that we dug into in response to, as we were writing this article. And, um, and that has to do with, um, something called exosomes. Mm-hmm. This is something that I think is a major player in the way that the body responds to these vaccines. Right. The immune cells, you know, they pick up the, va- the vaccine at the muscle site. They come in and they grab the vaccine. They're trying to clear it. They go into the lymph system and they travel to the spleen. And the immune cells gather in the spleen in large numbers. They're carrying this RNA technology that makes them, forces them to start making spike protein. So they're making lots of spike protein in the spleen, which is very toxic to the spleen. Mm -hmm. And these cells are overwhelmed with all the spike protein that they're creating. So the only way they, they can't efficiently get rid of it unless they package it up inside these lipid particles and release it as exosomes. Exosomes are so fascinating. It's another part of biology that I've only recently gotten dug into. And they turn out to be really, really interesting. They're basically, um, they have a very strong signaling component. So exosomes are packaged up, they put in these toxic proteins. So it's got this spike protein, it's really toxic. So it throws it into these exosomes and ships it out from the immune cells in the spleen. And those exosomes are little lipid particles and they apparently travel very efficiently along the vagus nerve. This has been shown in multiple studies that these exosomes travel along the vagus nerve, make their way to the brainstem nuclei and start basically infecting them because those brains and nuclei take up those exosomes. It's all a very natural process. It's a communication channel. Right. And the exosomes contain not only that toxic spike protein, but also these things called microRNAs. It's such mm-hmm. interesting science. The microRNAs are, are top-level controlling elements in metabolic policy, so they can actually turn off specific proteins and shut them down. And that causes metabolic policy to change in a very big way. And the really scary thing is that these exact microRNAs that are packaged up inside with the spike protein, they actually did an experiment, was a group that did an experiment that showed that they produced, that the spike protein exposure produced uh, microRNAs, exosomes containing specific microRNAs, um, and there's three of them that I've identified, but there's two. This one paper showed two, 148A and 590. This is a number. These microRNAs have numbers. So that's the numbers of those two. And those two are both associated with uh, the most, the worst form of brain cancer. Mm. There's a very uh, toxic form of, a very aggressive form of brain cancer that's a very high mortality rate that is associated with those two uh, microRNAs that are packaged up inside that spike protein. So that's just one thing. But that also the spike protein is very it stimulates the brain to, to go on fire. It causes an inflammatory reaction in the brain. And, of course, inflammation damages the, 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 the neuronal, neuronal tissues. And the spike protein itself is a prion protein, and that's been shown in multiple papers, and I also analyzed it. Prion proteins have a specific motif called a glycine zipper motif. Okay. And, uh, Amyloid beta is a, is a prion-like protein. It, these proteins you know, misfold and cause disease. And the, most of the diseases that they're associated with are neurodegenerative diseases. You know, there's Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, mm-hmm. um, ALS, right. um, which is Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, CKD, which is the equivalent of human equivalent of mad cow in the cows. You know, these are all. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't that isn't that called spongiform encephalopathy? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Uh, these are all hideous diseases that cause all kinds of um, neurological damage and, and different. You know, brain uh, issues, all kinds of really bad problems by these diseases that are associated with these misfolded proteins. And so amyloid beta is a, is a, is a protein that's associated with um, Alzheimer's disease, misfolding of amyloid beta. And that 
amyloid beta has four of these glycine zippers. The prion protein has five. It has five glycine zippers. So in a sense, it's worse than amyloid beta in terms of its ability to misfold into these um, soluble cytoplasmic toxic forms. So this Mm -hmm. poor immune cell that's making all kinds of spike protein, it's really being poisoned by that spike protein. And it's putting it inside these exosomes to get rid of it and just shipping it. Says somebody else take this. I can't deal with it. There's way too much. And it ships it up to the brain and the neurons in the brain pick it up. And now they're being poisoned with the spike protein. It can trigger misfolding of amyloid beta or of alpha-synuclein and all these other proteins. They get, prions have this really incredible infective, infectious ability that's not related to being living. You know, it's this prion-based spreading of infection that really happens almost like crystallization. That when you have these, when you're in, these misfolded proteins are introduced into the cell, Mm-hmm. The cell's own proteins misfold in the same way and glom together with those things and make this mess. You know, so the poor neurons are are caught. The the, the exposure to the spike proteins that have been spit out by the immune cells is causing tremendous stress in the neurons in the brain. If in some people, you know, where this mm-hmm. is happening, and mm-hmm. then they're getting various kinds of brain problems. And there's lots of symptoms of Parkinson's in the, you know, Parkinson's-like symptoms in the responses to these vaccines, which makes total sense to me because this is how Parkinson's goes. You know, they've studied Parkinson's and they know that it starts with foreign, in many cases, it starts with foreign misfolded proteins, prion proteins, like the spike protein. They come from, you know, infective agents. And then they get taken into the spleen by the immune cells and that these, you know, germinal centers in the spleen is where these immune cells are trying really hard to make those, to get those antibodies to be produced by the B cells. And that whole process is working in the spleen to say, hey, we got to get antibodies. This protein is really toxic, you know, Mm -hmm, and they're working their butts off trying to get those antibodies together because they know they desperately need the antibodies to clear that spike protein that they're producing because they can't stop doing it. Well, and when you say Parkinson's, I, you're, from what I've seen, it's not, you know, in, in normal Parkinson's, it starts very mild and it progresses. And what I'm seeing is just advanced yes. Parkinson's type sy- symptoms, like right away. Right. And they could disappear. I mean, it could be a temporary thing, I think, in response to that uh, vaccine. But that doesn't mean you're not going to get your Parkinson's much earlier than you would have gotten it without the vaccine. You know, Mm -hmm. it may disappear and then it'll come back later. I think that people who are getting these vaccines when they're 25 could find out that they end up with Parkinson's when they're 50 instead of when they're 60. So that's 10 extra years of Parkinson's. I believe it's possible they have 10 extra years of Parkinson's that they get to have as a mm-hmm. consequence of getting that vaccine. I mean, I really believe that's possible. We ha- can't prove it, and we probably won't notice it. I mean, we'll probably see all these neurodegenerative diseases are going up. I mean, they're already going up now, so it's like that's not news. But now they're going up more, you know. Oh, right. yeah, well, everybody's getting sick. Well, of course, because all these things do go up. That's what happens. I mean, we're so immune to reacting to these increases in all of these debilitating diseases both the autoimmune and the neurodegenerative, you know, our society is just like, oh, yeah, those things go up. I mean, and they say, well, people are living longer. I mean, they make up reasons. Right, well, we're just yeah. diagnosing it more. God. They make up reasons now to, to explain it away. And if it's happening years later, they, they probably they won't even want to associate it with these vaccines. Oh, so of course not. Won't. Of course not. So right. it, it may be the cause, but they'll never know that because right. they won't look for it. Right. Well, and um, oh, shoot. Where was I? Uh. Oh, I'm having a senior moment. Yeah, you got. I, you I can't that. believe it. I I had something. I was. I wanted to wait till you finished. Okay. Well, there was another an, another direction I wanted to go to. So I don't. Have you looked into terrain theory at all, as opposed to germ theory? Yes. I mean, in fact, in the first book that I wrote, um, Cindy and Eric, Erica's obsession. Uh, that that was a novel that I wrote a while, a while ago. Oh. Uh, you may not know about it, no. but uh, it, there's a, there's a whole. Um, chapter in there when they're having a, a dinner discussion over this issue of the terrain and, and uh, Baina, let's see, uh, I've forgotten his name. Uh, oh, right. It, uh, uh, it begins with the B. Bechamp, right? Bechamp. Uh, there you go. Yep. Right. Versus Pasteur. Um, yeah, right. It was a whole conversation around those two in this in this book, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> over dinner. So, yes, I am very aware of tra- train theory, and I totally endorse it. Well, that's because when you said exosomes, I mean, isn't in terrain, te- correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm still learning about terrain theory. My husband's totally there, but I- I'm not quite there yet, that the exosomes are actually what's considered to be, quote unquote, the virus. 
Right. I know. I've heard people say that the exosomes and viruses are sort of a continuum of, a, of sort of the same thing. I mean, there's some truth in that because the exosomes have lots of stuff in them. They're pretty amazing, actually. They can deliver uh, mitochondria from one cell to another. And that's an important positive role that I think they play. Mm-hmm. That a, Like a platelet. Plate, each, each platelet has about five or seven, five or seven mitochondria, just a handful. But there's lots and lots of platelets. And when those platelets um, get activated... You know, and then they basically destroy themselves, but they release their mitochondria often inside these exosomes. So the platelets actually release exosomes containing mitochondria, and then those exosomes can be taken up by the immune cells. So the platelet is kind of saying, hey, I've got these mitochondria, you better take them because I can't use them anymore. So here, here they are, take them. And the other cell, oh, thank you very much. I'd love to have those because I need them because my <laughs> mitochondria are really sick, you know, because the glyphosate's destroying the mitochondria. I mean, many chemicals are, but I think glyphosate really stands out mm-hmm. in its ability to mess up the mitochondria. And that's so critical because the mitochondria are the, are the energy factories of the cell. They produce ATP, you know. Absolutely. I'm doing a whole program right now because I feel like I've got my thyroid stuff I I can't do much more with that. And for a long time, I've thought it's my mitochondria. That's why I'm so tired all the time. They're just not Mm -hmm. working. So I'm doing this whole supplement protocol to repair my mitochondria. And uh, how long have I been doing it? Maybe a month. You're supposed to do it for three months. But Mm -hmm. I'm definitely feeling a difference. I definitely That's am. Great. So, oh, I know. Thank goodness. That's great. You know, I'm doing a program too. I, I don't. We, you and I have talked about deuterium before, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, Early on, I, in one of our earlier conversations, we did. Yeah, I'm drinking deuterium depleted water right now as as we speak. So it's it's really an easy way, in my opinion, to help to to solve the deuterium problem. And we have a catastrophic problem with deuterium in our society, and a large part of it has to do with glyphosate. I believe. Uh, I think glyphosate is disturbing is suppressing enzymes that are critical for maintaining low deuterium levels in the water in the mitochondria. So how do you get this water? People might want to know. (laughs) It's pretty easy, actually. I'm quite excited about it. The thing that makes it a little hard is you don't like to spend so much money on water because you buy water that costs like as much as wine. So it's kind of makes you feel like it's not a good idea. Ah. But you can get over that. It's, It's actually not so bad because I only drink like a third of a cup a day. Okay. So, and I mix it with other water two to one so that it's one third cup and then two thirds cup of regular water. Okay. So I'm, I'm making something that uh, looks like the sort of lowest deuterium levels of water you'd ever find naturally. What you buy is like really low, like 10 parts per million of, of deuterium, very okay. low deuterium in the water. Uh, natural water, like seawater is 155 oh. parts per million. Wow. So when you take 10 and you mix it with 155... Mm-hmm. You know, two thirds, one third, and you come down by about two thirds. So you get around maybe 90, which is about the lowest you can find. And where you could find naturally 90 parts per million would be in um, glacier water. Okay. And you look at, and actually, that's so interesting. I've gotten to know a guy named Laszlo Boros, mm-hmm. Dr. Uh, Professor Laszlo Boros, really interesting guy. And he's, um, he's an expert on deuterium, and he's really been trying to get the message out because people have no clue. The doctor, if you ask your doctor, he won't know what deuterium is. Oh, no. Yeah. And I think it's central to our catastrophic health because it's so important for the mitochondria to have low deuterium in order to make the ATP uh, pumps work. Those ATP pumps are very sensitive to deuterium. It's like putting sugar in the in the gas tank, really wrecks them. Ah. And then the mitochondria start spewing out all these reactive oxygen species, and they can't make enough ATP. You know, so you get both insufficient energy and you get oxidative damage, which then damages the mitochondria. So all the cells are really suffering with um, very poorly functioning mitochondria and especially the immune cells. They need those mitochondria to make the, to, the energy that they need to fight off the virus. So they really get in trouble when their mitochondria are being wrecked by deuterium. Uh-huh. So, so OK, I, hmm, I, I'm confused. So do we want deuterium or not? No, you want low deuterium. So. So what's the water you're drinking then? Deuterium depleted water. Depleted. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Depleted, yes. And there's a so there's a, a light water, L-I-T-E-W-A-T-E-R, lightwater.com, which is where I buy my, my deuterium depleted water. Ah, I've been okay. taking it every day for quite a while now. I do two things. I do sulfur baths, you know, uh, Epsom, salt, Epsom salts in a hot bath. Mm-hmm. And I do that almost every day, just a small amount, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of a maintenance level. And I do deuterium depleted water. And those are actually the only two so-called supplements that I take. 
Oh, good for you. So, so what have you noticed? As I in- feel more energetic. Yeah, I think it's it's helping me to feel sort of happier and more energetic. I mean, it's hard to say, right? It's such a small amount and it's sort of a slow process, but I'm feeling good, you know? I am getting lots of sun, too, because I'm in Hawaii now, so it's kind yes. of, that one's helping, too, I'm sure. And, of course, it's so beautiful here with all the birds and, mm. and the rainbows. And so <laughs> I'm, in, I'm really happy that I'm here in this really trying time. So. Well, I'm jealous because I'm in smoke right now. So I know, <sighs> that's awful. <laughs> it's so terrible when you can't control your own environment, you know. I know. And you know you're being poisoned and you can't stop it. It's just really, really frustrating. Right. Well, that's why I'm taking NAC and C60, yes. you know, different things because with the smoke and, and, you know, I just, I feel like I need to do some extra things to make sure that I'm pulling out as many toxins, metals as possible and you know, keeping my immune functions as strong as possible right now. Right. NAC is a really good supplement because the cysteine is so is one of the sulfur containing amino acids. And that's one of the things that's totally disrupted by glyphosate, the whole sulfur system. And so the cysteine, methionine, you know, taurine, all of those are sulfur containing amino acids that are um, messed up by glyphosate. Right. And isn't it a precursor to glutathione? Exactly. Yes. Glutathione is really in trouble because it's got it's three amino acids, glutamate, glycine and cysteine. And uh, so the N-acetylcysteine is going to help to boost your glutathione. And as you know, as you very much know, glutathione is so important for uh, detoxing the liver, uh, antioxidant defenses. And in the mitochondria, by the way, glutathione plays a critical role in uh, antioxidant defenses in the mitochondria. But that is also associated with supplying them with deuterium depleted water. Mm-hmm. That's all connected. Well, and I've read that um, if somebody is having an adverse reaction from the from the shots, that a, a good thing to do is a, a find a person who does IV therapy and, and do some IV glutathione. I think that probably makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's also good for the disease as well, right? A lot mm-hmm. of people are promoting that for the disease. Wow. Now, what about graphene oxide? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's worse than the spike protein or, but in fact, I'm surprised more people aren't talking about the graphene oxide they're finding in the shots. And they're finding it in all of them, not just the Moderna and Pfizer, but uh, the J&J and AstraZeneca too. Well, I've had a hard time convincing myself that that's um, true. I guess I'm having a little bit of a... It's one of the things that I'm hesitant to to say too much about until okay. I know more. And mm-hmm. I've been unable to find something that is sufficiently convincing to me. And I think it may very well be true, but I, I hesitate to um, to get too far into that. Yep. Okay. Because it might not. <laughs> so. Have you Have you looked at the um, the studies and um, the uh, articles from the uh, the Spanish research lab, uh, La Quinta Columna? Yeah, I saw that. I mean, I think it may very well be true. I guess it's just one of the things that I'm kind of laying laying low on for the moment because there are so many other things. There is another one that's really uh, interesting that's also hard to prove, but maybe has some, some teeth, which is the idea that there's a lot of deuterium in the vaccines. Oh. That is a very interesting idea because there are papers in the research le- literature that talk about um, – stabilizing that you can stabilize um pro- uh, molecules by by sort of producing them in deuterium rich water yeah so you can actually manufacture these these or viral rna in deuterium rich water which ends up with the rna being deuterium enriched you know, rna has lots of deuterium in it deuterium is heavy hydrogen so it's it's a hydrogen is a very very common most common atom in the body by mm-hmm. far Okay. And deuterium is, uh, you know, a small um, percentage of hydrogen, but still lots and lots of deuterium in the body because it's such large numbers. And but they can take these, they can make versions of RNA. They know how to do this. That's clear from the from the literature. Mm-hmm. Making versions of RNA that are sturdier, that are harder to break down by virtue of having a lot of deuterium in them. And and since everything they do with these vaccines is aimed towards keeping these RNA molecules from getting broken down. And since this technology exists, it kind of makes sense to me that they would use it, you know. Hmm. And this is something Laszlo, actually, my friend Laszlo Boros pointed out, you know, shared some links to, with me. And he said he suspects. And it's, again, one of those things that they wouldn't have to report it because it's just water, you know. They wouldn't have to say there's deuterium in it because there's deuterium in everything. Mm-hmm. So they could be putting lots of deuterium into the vaccine 
without telling anybody. They could do that. They wouldn't have to list it as an ingredient. So it's very frustrating to me that I don't know. <laughs> and I haven't been able to find, you know, an article by Moderna that would say, oh, yes, and we did this cool technology where we used this deuterium to make the vaccine stronger. Nobody has said that. Mm-hmm. They're, they're staying mum. So whether they're doing it or not is an open question. I think they're going to want to do it because it is clear that it makes it more resistant to breaking down. And that's their goal, you know. So um, that's a question. But if there's extra deuterium in those vaccines, that's going to also make them even worse than they would otherwise be. Mm-hmm. You're wow. feeding your body uh, lots of deuterium, which would be a really bad thing to do in the context of a very poisonous, uh, <laughs> you know, protein. So Right. Wow. Oh, geez. You know, and I, I keep I, I'm reading uh, that like the mainstream media is saying that it's it's mostly the unvaccinated who are being mm-hmm. hospitalized and I'm seeing I'm seeing nurses speaking out oh, so many nurses are quitting they just they just can't do this anymore but I'm seeing nurses speaking out and saying no it's it's the vaccinated who are the larger percentage of people who are being hospitalized I can certainly comment on that because I've been watching carefully and I'm, I'm, we're predicting, uh, we predicted, Greg and I and I predicted that there would be a backlash. We predicted that the vaccine would initially look pretty good, that it would actually cause milder disease. It doesn't look like it's protecting you from spreading the disease, but it's right. causing a milder case when you get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and milder cases are great because then people aren't dying. You know, you sort of want it to look like the flu. So if that's all it does, well, then that's great. Fine, we'll take that, right? I mean, that would be an, an attitude people might feel. Um, but the problem is that's only temporary. And I really am suspecting that we're going to see a backlash, a serious backlash coming soon. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take, but it's, again, the science predicts it. And this is, and I've been looking into this question of ADE very carefully, and I found several papers on antibody-dependent enhancement. I talked about it earlier, about how this Delta variant has figured out how to increase the odds for enhancement and decrease the odds for, uh, for neutralization okay. because it's greater binding to the enhancing antibodies. Okay. It's managed to rig its uh, protein so that it works that way. Mm. And, of course, it's also less... Um, as a consequence, the, the, the uh, vaccine is not as effective against this, this strain. And that's one reason why it's filling up the entire country. It probably was produced by somebody who got vaccinated. I would guess that it came out of a situation where someone got vaccinated who had a weak immune system. You know, one of these immune compromised people mm-hmm. getting vaccinated, then catching the disease and then letting the virus figure out how to fix itself to resist those antibodies that are all over the place, but they're not being effective the virus can then figure out how to become much stronger against the vaccine. So now you've got a situation where the virus, the vaccinated are not as protected as they were before. And and in fact, we're now seeing, there's two countries I've been watching, Iceland and Israel, both of them Mm -hmm. very aggressive with the vaccine campaign early on. So we need need time, you know, as time passes, the antibodies fade. And at some point the antibodies get to some critically lower level where the ADE kicks in. And this is what, there was this amazing paper that I read that showed very careful experiments done. They showed, they tried different antibody levels in these cells grown in culture. And they found that when the antibodies got, were high, everything's great. You know, the virus can't multiply, everything's great. But then when the antibodies go down to a lower level, the, the, uh, the enhancing antibodies are able to facilitate viral proliferation. So the virus is able to get into cells that have this FC receptor and multiply there. It's still blocking it from the ACE2 receptor. Mm -hmm. Those are still effective, but the other antibodies are helping it to multiply through a different route. And that's when you get uh, sicker, more disease, you know, more stronger disease symptoms in the vaccinated compared to the unvaccinated. I'm predicting that's what's going to happen in the fall. We're going to see right now the Mm vaccine, you know, like Iceland, they're saying, oh, well, they've got this big, you know, increase in Iceland, even though they're mostly vaccinated. But good news, you know, they're not very sick. Thank God the vaccine worked. I mean, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. if it starts to go another couple of months where that's no longer true, it, it could very well reach a point where a vaccination is a liability against, right. you know, variant strains. And because it's so laser specific, all those antibodies that it's produced are not useful anymore, you know, because right. that version has disappeared. Whereas the natural immunity is much more flexible. so That's what I was going to, let's do that, because that's what I was just going to ask you. So how does natural immunity differ? I know how it does, but I I want... (laughs) You want to hear what I say? Yeah, I I want you to explain, because I think that's really important, because I know 
it's my sense that people are getting the vaccine or whatever you want to call it, the shot, um, because they don't want to get sick. But there's ivermectin, there's hydroxychloroquine, there's, you know, upping your vitamin D, that seems to be the number one thing is upping your vitamin D and C. I mean, there are things that you can do so that if you do get it, you've just got a little cold, it's not a big deal. And then you've got natural immunity. And, and why is natural immunity so important? Yes. Well, so you know, the, the, vi- the vaccine contains only the spike. It has the code for the spike protein. That's all it contains. Right. Whereas the virus has a whole bunch of other proteins. It's not just spike. Mm-hmm. It has all these internal proteins, you know, that can help with its reproduction, all of that. It has a whole bunch of other proteins. And your, your natural immunity doesn't just react to the spike protein. It reacts to all the other proteins as well. And in particular, there's, you know, there's B cell and, uh, reactions and there's C cell reactions. And the okay. C cell uh, reactions are missing in the in the vaccine because those depend upon those internal proteins that the vaccine doesn't have. So you're getting um, a response, a C cell response that's actually called cy- cytotoxic response. The C cells are very good then at uh, clearing cells that got infected okay. and, and, and wiping them out and stopping the infection that way. Mm-hmm. And that part of the immunity is missing from the vaccine. It only gets the B cell, it only gets the spike. So it's very, very specific. It only gets that one particular version of the spike as well, because all the vaccines have exactly the same spike protein. Right. So it's very inflexible, very specific. And specific's not good, you know, because when the, when the specific thing you're looking for is no longer there, your antibodies don't work. And now you've got all these antibodies that are useless. And your body's less able to then make other antibodies because it's you know it's got it's been distracted by um, this all these useless antibodies, so it's harder for it to um, respond to something different. And it's mm-hmm. just a little bit different, but enough different that the antibodies aren't matching; they're not working, and you don't have all the rest of that uh, of that response that has to do with the C cells and the cytotoxic you know response that they can do to kill the virus is um, is is not there in the vaccine response. So right. you're missing the critical part of the immune response and you're, um, and you're unable to, um, to quickly adapt. I think you're, you're, it's a matter of being general, generalist versus specific. The, the, right. the cytotoxic, the C cells are responding to proteins that are much more stable than the spike protein. Okay. So they don't mutate as quickly. And mm-hmm. of course they're not mutating under the, uh, under the direction of the, of the vaccine because the vaccine doesn't see them at all. So the vaccine is forcing these mutations in the spike protein, which are happening at a very high rate. And that's what's causing the virus to evade the vaccine, but not necessarily evade natural infection and natural response, immune response. Right. Does that and make sense? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I've been reading also that there are some studies showing that, because uh, coronaviruses have been around for a long time. Right. Right. Um, And and that, you know, we've all had colds, we've all had flu, you know, we've all had all these various things throughout the decades. And that that uh, that we many people, maybe we all do have a natural immunity uh, Mm -hmm. that can generalize because of the uh, the virus coronaviruses that we've already contracted. Is that does that that is absolutely true. And in fact, I just got, I was just reading through, I didn't really read all of it, but scanned through a paper that was talking about people who had caught SARS-CoV, the original SARS-CoV, mm-hmm. which is very similar to SARS-CoV-2, and their antibodies. And they looked and they found that their, um, that their C-cell response in particular was, uh, was still effective against the SARS-CoV-2. So they had, uh, as a consequence of recovering from SARS-CoV, they had protection against SARS-CoV-2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I would hypothesize that if you're still getting really sick, it, it probably has more to do with the toxic overload in your body. And it, you, you can't, your body's having a really challenging time, just m- mounting a, a, a good response that where you'd only have a mild symptoms. Absolutely. And I actually believe that if you have a strong innate immune system, your body has no need to even produce any antibodies to the spike protein, even if you catch the disease you don't have to have those antibodies to fight it because you've got generic, we, we have some very capable generic antibodies that are um, not specific to any particular you know, antigen, but they can bind and, and trap viruses in a generic way. And mm-hmm. those are much more powerful and you know, generalists that can, can tackle any disease. And when you have a strong immune system, you just hardly ever get sick. You know, I have a strong immune system. I have never had a flu shot in my life. 
I can't I remember either. I the last time I had the flu. It was like at least four decades ago. Mm-hmm. It was a huge long time ago. I don't get colds. I don't get flu. I, I mean, I just never catch these, um, you know, knock wood. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> either. I don't either. We'll see how that goes. But I'm expecting not, I'm not worried about it. And I, you know, maybe I'm naive, but. I'm not I'm worried not... either. I, I absolutely am not worried. I've, I've been, I've done things to strengthen my immune functions and I feel I haven't been sick and. Oh, God, I don't know how long. Um, there you go. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. You know how to keep yourself healthy. Uh, you don't have to be afraid of these infective agents, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I have ivermectin on hand. And right. I have, uh, like I said, I take NAC and C60. I take D and uh, vitamin C. And uh, I'm pretty sure somewhere, in, I think my thyroid supplements, there's zinc in there and selenium. Yeah, I was going to mention zinc, yes. Yeah, and... Um, uh, you know, I, I think that these things, especially, oh, and having uh, Mercola was really big on having a nebulizer uh, and not yes. just for this, but he said, uh, there's, let's see, a Dr. Brownstein and a Dr. Levy have done work with this nice. and that, um, and, and a nebulizer is maybe 50 bucks, a, a tabletop nebulizer on Amazon, or, you know, you can probably get them at your pharmacy, um, if you don't want to support Amazon, but, um, you know, and using hydrogen peroxide and in uh, a drop of iodine in any upper respiratory infection, if you get it early, you're just you're done. I mean, it, it it just kills it. And I was just reading too something about the nebulizing uh, hydrogen peroxide that it actually has a positive effect not just on the lungs, mm-hmm. but on on your entire body, and that it can be useful for people who are having symptoms. Uh, mm-hmm. of COVID or after the jab? I'll tell you why, actually. Oh, please. Thank you, because I don't know a, why. <laughs> it's a precursor to deuterium-depleted water. It's really, <gasps> really interesting. Oh. It's really interesting. The body starts, so there's this whole basic, you know, basic cornerstone of metabolism is you start with oxygen, and then you convert it to hydrogen peroxide, which is H2O2. Right. Oxygen is O2, and then hydrogen. you add two hydrogens, you make hydrogen peroxide. You add two more hydrogens, and you make two water molecules. Mm-hmm. Two H2O. Mm-hmm. So you, keep, you you end up with four hydrogens for each oxygen, right? Okay. So, you know, you're adding, you're adding hydrogens on each step of the way. And mm-hmm. that whole system, oxygen to hydrogen peroxide to water, that is central to the deuterium depletion mechanisms of the body. And it uses these enzymes that are able to select for hydrogen over deuterium. When it puts those hydrogens into the oxygen, you know, it adds them to the oxygen and it's able, the enzyme is very specialized and is able to, Ignore deuterium. That's why deuterium makes things stable because the enzyme doesn't want. You put a bunch of deuterium on your molecule, it won't react. You see what I'm saying? Mm, okay. That that's why these RNA, you know, vaccines could become stable by just replacing the hydrogens with deuterium. Then the body doesn't want to break those down because it's going to put deuterium somewhere where it doesn't want it. You know, it's trying to avoid deuterium. Okay. So it's it's working the opposite of what we want. But the uh, H2O2 is is central to the process of making deuterium-depleted water from oxygen. It's right in the middle of that sequence. Oh, okay. It's mm. really interesting. And that's, you know, and that's going on in the mitochondria all the time. So they're making the deuterium-depleted water with hydrogen peroxide as, a, as an intermediate step. Oh, fascinating. And, you know, people say, oh, it's an oxidizing agent, so it can't be good. That's the argument they use against Mercola on that. You know, they say, okay. oh, I'm trying to get antioxidants, and this is a pro-oxidant. You know, that's what people will say mm-hmm. is why it's bad. And, and, you know, and that would be, um, that is true. It is an oxidizing agent. It's very reactive. But you're supposed to have really good capabilities to quickly convert it to water so that it's no longer um, a problem. But in, and in doing that, you're making deuterium-depleted water because the enzyme knows how to do that. So, you know, you're really, um, you're, you're supplying your body with deuterium depleted water through the mechanism of supplying you with hydrogen peroxide gas. Oh, cool. So that's one way to get deuterium depleted, I can barely say it, yes, deuterium right. depleted water is by nebulizing. And there's nebulizing another way too that's interesting, okay. which is hydrogen gas. Hmm. And, and that's another one that Mercola supports. He supports both hydrogen peroxide. He, and by the way, I, re- I was just reading his book, you know, um, mm-hmm. The Truth About COVID-19. It's a good book. He wrote with uh, Ronnie Cummins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been reading that. And just this morning, I was reading about the hydrogen peroxide. So it's kind of timely. Oh, interesting. In our discussion. Yeah. But um, he's, he also is an enthusiast for hydrogen gas. And he, he has these tablets that he sells that can make hydrogen 
rich water, mm-hmm. water with extra hydrogen, hydrogen in it. And that's also really, really interesting because the hydrogen gas is something that the microbes in your gut make lots of it. They know how to make hydrogen gas out of organic matter. Okay. And they make lots of hydrogen gas. And then they and then other microbes take that hydrogen gas back into um, organic molecules. So they take the hydrogen gas, they make methane, then they make methanol, then they make formate. There's all these different you know steps. Finally, you get acetate. So you get these critical nutrients derived from the hydrogen gas initially. And the hydrogen gas is low in deuterium, very low, because the, it's a natural process that when you go to the gas phase, deuterium is heavier and it sticks harder to what's to the liquid phase. So the hydrogen it gets hydrogen atoms wildly are preferred over deuterium atoms in making the hydrogen gas. So the hydrogen gas has very low deuterium. Uh-huh. And it becomes a very, very good source of deuterium-depleted hydrogen, which is really the same as deuterium-depleted water because it's the hydrogen part of the water that's deuterium-depleted. So you get this deuterium-depleted hydrogen out of the, gla- out of the gas that the microbes make, and mm-hmm. then you turn it back into or- – got- the microbes turn it back into organic mat- matter, which then is really good fuel for uh, the body that is low in deuterium. Because of the hydrogen gas, so it's really, really fascinating stuff. Oh, neat! Yeah, I it's not my. I have to finish Virus Mania. That's what I'm reading right now. It's really mm. good. Oh, that um, sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, really good book. I learned about it because um, uh, one of the authors, she's this very cute. Uh, I think she's from New Zealand, uh, Doctor oh, Sam Bailey. She was interviewing uh, Andrew Kaufman. Mm-hmm. And and they were talking about terrain theory and stuff. And then I I was I, I usually kind of go through the comments a little bit and you know see what people are saying. And there was something about uh, this book Virus Mania, and it just you know I zoomed in on that. And so I I'm listening. I, am I listening to it? I think I both have it on Audible and Kindle, so I'm going back and forth. Mm-hmm. But it's really really fascinating. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, everybody should read that. And then Mercola's book is my next one. So <laughs> yes, that's very good. The truth about COVID nineteen. I really, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I'm. I I had a feeling that it would be really good. Wow. So okay. So this deuterium depleted water is really, I mean, that's intriguing, just, huh? It's really. Yeah. It's, I was just so. I I learned about deuterium December 2019. So right before all this mess with COVID, you know, and I was really pouring over all the deuterium literature in those first few months of that of 2020. And then the COVID-19 hit, and then I still had the deuterium on my brain. So that turns out to be a critical piece of the puzzle for COVID-19, I think. The Mm -hmm. deuterium problem in the mitochondria is what's disrupting the body's ability to clear the virus efficiently. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, and it just, I mean, this push to get everybody vaccinated. It's It's so crazy. Why? You know, there's obviously, I mean, to me, and I think a lot of people, I've thought this for a long time, but I think a lot of people are coming to this conclusion that there's obviously a lot more to this than just about a vaccine and a virus. I mean, otherwise, why would you be pushing this so hard? It's a technology that they think is going to have tremendous um, play in, in the medical field. I think they're hoping that they can launch all kinds of messenger RNA things that they're going to call vaccines and get a reprieve from you know, criminal, any kind of uh, toxicity, they don't have to pay up for it because mm-hmm. it's a vaccine, you know, mm-hmm. they'll market these things as vaccines and there'll be vaccines that treat cancer and stuff like that with messenger RNA technology. They've been very, very excited about this technology. And I think it's a false hope. And I think they're going to land flat on their feet, flat on their face when it finally unfolds. We have to just hope that time passes and this thing becomes clear that it's not working. I, I really I'm hoping that uh, things will degrade fast rather than slow because it could be the vaccines will actually work well for a year. I mean, and that may be enough time to just totally vaccinate everybody and then we'll have a nightmare. You know, I don't think it's going to be a good outcome in the end, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. from my own uh, science that I've looked at. I can't I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't be certain that I'm right. But a lot of the um, scientific studies back it up. I just think it's a really terrible thing to be doing. And it just awful it makes me sick to my stomach to think of uh, mandating it for the kids, five-year-old oh, kids, God, there's no before reason. they can go to school. I'm just so terrified of that concept. I just can't imagine they would be so stupid as to do that. But we'll see. Well, that's what makes me wonder. Why? Why, are the, why did they want to do this? I, have you listened to any of uh, Dr. Carrie Madej's? 
videos? No, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, you should. She is a very, very interesting person who has kind of an inside track on the whole transhumanism thing that that this is about. Right, um, technology. I know they yeah. have a lot of a lot of interesting plans for the doc technology that are quite frightening and yes. sort of science fictiony. I know. Well, you, yeah, they were science fiction. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's stuff that you know, ten, twenty years ago would have been con- definitely considered conspiracy theory. But I mean, the evidence is there, and Carrie says, you know, it's all there. They're telling you exactly what they're doing. You just have to look for it. That's all. It's it's there. It's in print. It's in video. Um, she's really fascinating. She's been, she's kind of quit her, her medical practice and is just it, trying to educate people right now and warn people. That's very interesting. Yeah. It's so disturbing, isn't it? There's sort of this whole concept that, you know, Bill Gates kind of frames oh, it as technology God. to solve all problems. And yeah. it's just causing more and more problems every time you turn around is another problem caused by technology. Right. Right. Yeah. And if anybody's interested in, uh, in, um, exploring Carrie Madej's work, her videos. It's M A D E J. It's a it's ah, a very, okay. I was trying to odd spelling, but it's Carrie C A R R I E, and then Madej is M A D E J. Madej. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's been on a lot of shows now. People are are wanting her on, and she's done some really good videos. And she was part of a. I don't know. I, I, let's see. How does it go? She was part of a, a group of, of young, you know, professionals that were being recruited by, I call them the predatory elite. And, and they were told what the plan was. And mm. she just rejected it and said, no, I don't want any part of this. Mm. And um, so early on, she was privy to, you know, what this kind of the, the overarching plan with the transhumanism wow. and everything was That's- was. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, something more to look forward to. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but really, times. we I all have we can to really get past this uh, and move to a different phase where we understand that everything has to be natural. Yep. You know, and we any, have any kind to say no. We have to say no. You know, yeah. uh, Chris Sky. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's he's this young man who's this Canadian who's traveling all across Canada and he's just been standing up. I mean, they've arrested him. They've, you know, they won't let him, uh, drive. He can't drive. He can't fly. He's, he's found all kinds of ways to get around it, but he was, he was here for a rally and his, his slogan is just say no and united noncompliance, no violence, but united noncompliance. And, you know, a lot of nurses are, are resigning. Um, and like he says, they workers are needed. If everybody says no, they I mean, companies can't go on without without their right. staff, without their workers, you know, Power striking. right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think that's part of the problem with a lot of hospitals is, is people are saying no, they don't want to be vaccinated. They're seeing what's going on in the hospitals. Um, and and they, you know, that's that's not what they signed up for as doctors and nurses. Right. I'm so glad that there are some that are strong enough to stand up to it. It's really, you know, I can't imagine being someone with a young family and that your children are depending upon your income and you have have to quit your job. I mean, that is such that's really tough to say, I'm, you know, know. I'm not going to give in. Well, I think that's why a lot of the people who have been standing up are retired. Or right. they've, you know, they've, they're towards the end of their career. They've, you know, they've saved money, whatever, and they've, they've quit. But um, I've had Cammie Benton on several times um, and she, uh, she's an MD. She was working for a large, um, I think it was an HMO and they wanted her to, uh, I just had her on last week, um, they wanted her to get the, they mandated the influenza vaccine. Mm. And she had had it previously, but had horrible reactions, like mm. being sick all yes. winter. And she said no. And so she quit and she said, you know, she makes like a third of the income and she's a single mom, but mm-hmm. she's got her own practice. She loves her patients. She loves what she's doing. And she she's said, in control. yeah, in the long run, it was absolutely, you know, the best thing she could have done. She's much happier now. Right. Yeah. And others need to follow her lead. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And I think as more people stand up, more people will have the, you know, the guts to do it as they see more of their, their peers doing it. And then, of course, eventually the mainstream will finally get the message, you know, <laughs> that the vaccines are a bad idea. I mean, that's where we need to be. I think right. they need to understand that that's not working and they need to abandon it, at least to say nobody has to get it. If you want to get it, fine, but we're not going to make you. And it if you want to get like it, that. it needs to be you need to know what right. the possible you, effects you are. That information about I mean, I've seen are. videos of of people opening the boxes of the vials of the, the uh, you know, the, the vaccine. Uh, they, they're all sealed and everything. They're opening them all up. They pull out the insert and they're blank. There's no that. information. I heard that from you. That's just silly. I've seen Wild it several times, true. different people. There's no information. So how can there be informed consent? That is incredible. Just incredible. It's outrageous. It fits with the censorship, doesn't it? Because yep. there's like huge numbers of all kinds of weird uh, reactions on VAERS, way, way, way more than anything else. It's like the the six first six months of this year, there were more deaths from these uh, COVID vaccines than there were from all the other vaccines for the previous 20 years combined. Right. And it's up to 13,000 right now. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's just really amazing. So and I, I think I, I just yeah. read before we came on um, in the last week, there were 25,000 injuries. Wow. And um, a huge number are, you know, probably yeah. permanent, um, you know, debilitating right. injuries. It's just, I mean, who thinks this is okay? I just. I know what you mean. It's sort of disbelief all over the place, isn't it? I know. I've had so many layers of disbelief through this entire process of COVID-19. It just uh, gets worse and worse. I think some of us have must be wired differently because I, I so. don't understand how anybody can actually think that this is okay. I know there are people who really feel there's way too many people on the planet and depopulation is the only way to go. And I'm, I'm quite convinced from everything I've read and seen that that's part of this. Um, but how, how can you think this is okay? I I just. Well, (laughs) on that happy note, (laughs) on that happy note. Yeah. Well, you know, to be educated, forewarned is forearmed. And I know that it's hard when, I mean, I do know people who have gotten the shots just because they wanted to keep their job. And it just makes me so, especially people who don't want to do it and are being forced. It right. just, it just makes me so sad. Um, and, you know, like you said, if you want to get it, as long as you know what you're getting into, that this is an experiment. I mean, I saw uh, something that was written up um, by the uh, health, BC Health Canada or whatever. And it said that the vaccine was approved and that it was safe and effective. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's wow. an out and out lie. Just really frustrating. But, you know, if you don't know where to look for other information, if all, the only information you get is, you know, from from the mainstream media, then... That's all you know. But and they certainly l- work very hard to make sure that that's the only information you get. Tremendous censorship going on for the, any kind of um, messaging that shows the, the vaccines in their true light. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Well, do you have anything else to add, Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to know. I mean, we have to have hope. And I just really hope grassroots. I still believe in grassroots, bottom up, you know, everybody wake up and and then behave the way you need to behave to get this world back on track because we face a really grim future if we don't change our ways and hit the top highest level and huge, huge um, redirection of our energies towards a better path. Right. And I do think there's still time. I mean, I have to believe there's still time to turn this around. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, my dear. As always, I totally thoroughly enjoy our conversations and I learned so much. And um, I know, you know, you are, you are one of the most listened to of all of my guests. So I know my, uh, my listeners really uh, look forward to hearing from you. And I would absolutely recommend everybody share this far and wide people, you know, hopefully, it'll, gosh, if we can save you know, I often say if I can save one or two lives, then it's worth it. And right. uh, it really is important. And they want more boosters. And, and it's just going to keep, 
you know, more and more, the more shots you have, the more this stuff you're getting in your body, unless you're doing something to try to pull it out, it's just going to accumulate and get worse and worse. Yeah, I think so. Unfortunately. <laughs> well, let me know if you have any new, because uh, <laughs> I know you're always, you're always researching. Right. <laughs> uh, if you've got more new information, let us know so that we can, I can have you back on and you can right. share and help educate everyone. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you, everyone. As I've, I've seen Jennifer Margulis say, if you've made it this far, thanks so much. <laughs> I know, I like that. <laughs> I do too. I also subscribe to her. <laughs> She's, She's so great. I know, her, her email is so interesting. I, I love her, the way she writes. The podcast website is realjanine.com, and that's J-A-N-E-A-N. Uh, you can subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. I also create video slideshows of my uh, audio conversations, and those are currently on BitChute at uh, Real Janine. And uh, there's always a, a link on the podcast webpage to the BitChute video if you want to do that. So once again, thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, everyone. Um, those who are standing up, those who are researching, learning, trying to get the word out, uh, I appreciate all of you. And um, as always, take care. Until next time. And